Welcome to the Money Mindset Podcast. I am Ashley, your host and founder of Budgets Made Easy. Today, we have a special guest, Gabriella, and she is an accredited interior designer and professional project manager with over 12 years of experience. Uh, Now she teaches women how to create their dream home the right way from the start by combining the key design drivers and desires with the needed management tactics to build the home that they've always dreamed about without losing time, money, and their sanity in the process. And uh, I loved our discussion because design is not my strong suit and I'm in the middle of remodeling and redesigning my whole living space and I just don't know what to do and then I get overwhelmed or I buy one piece and then I don't know what to do with it even after you know looking through Pinterest and all of the things so uh yeah she's got some really great tips to share with us today very helpful and she also has a free challenge coming up and the information is in the podcast and down below as well if you want to sign up and join me because I need all the help I can get. Uh, But today we're going to talk about budgeting uh, tips for when you're redecorating or remodeling things to avoid to help um, not lose your sanity and and a lot of money through the process. But, you know, a lot of preparing financially and mentally as well, because uh, managing a remodel redecoration is not always easy. It's not always the pretty things, right? Like it can be a lot of work and the more you can prepare uh, financially and mentally, the better off that you're going to be and hopefully be able to enjoy the process more than stress out about it. So let's dive in. Hello, Gabriella. Thank you so much for being with us today. We are going to talk about home renovations, building your dream house, and the budget mistakes to avoid because... They had up quick when you're doing a remodel, renovation, just redecorating all of those things. Uh, we were chatting before uh, going live and I was telling you that this is actually perfect timing for me because I'm currently redoing my whole living space. I just got it all repainted, new color. I'm just so in love with it. But now I'm like, I don't know what to put back. I need to get like new colors for certain things. And it's one, it's overwhelming trying to design and pick things. But then when you add in the budget side of things and the money side, it just adds a whole other layer of overwhelm, which is why I'm so glad you're here today to kind of help walk us through this because it's overwhelming. (laughs) It is. And I am super excited to be here, shed a little bit of a different perspective for you guys in terms of, I guess, the duality of the strategic side to design, which is where the money and the budget and kind of the planning and thought process comes to. And I know it's not the sexy part and everyone's like, that's not sexy. I don't want to do it, but it will actually make a really big impact and difference in terms of how you approach your projects, as well as what you're able to get out of your projects at the end. Yes. Yes. And I am not a designer in any way, shape or form. It overwhelms me. Like, I don't know what to do do like I will go to the store and I'll pick something just because I think it's really pretty and then I never do anything with it because I don't know what 
had like, I don't know what to do with it. Right. So then it just sits there for literally years until I may get an inspiration, see something on Pinterest. It's like, Oh, that's what I could do with that. And then I'll figure something out. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it can be overwhelming. So you talk a lot about, I was just perusing your Instagram and you talk a lot about, um, kind of like renovations and mistakes to avoid with your budgeting when it comes to that. And a lot of my women are wanting to either remodel their house or build a house, um, you know, and make things all pretty and all of that. So let's dive into some of the budget things that they um, can do to avoid those costly mistakes, because ooh, when it's a mistake, it's usually a big mistake money-wise, like, and it can happen quick, like without even realizing it's like, oh, there went a couple grand. Oops. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. And then, and then I'm in that right now with mercury planning. So, um, yeah, super fun. But so one of the biggest mistakes I find across the board with anyone that takes on any type of design project. So I'm talking, if you're just looking at aesthetically revamping your space, buying new furniture, some new accent pieces, maybe some paint or like a larger renovation is that we only look at small little pieces and we get these ideas in our heads and we look at images and we're, and we jump right in Yes, and we start buying things or <laughs> That's <start me>. painting <laughs> immediately. Right. Yeah. And we haven't gone through the whole thought process. Right. So that's where the number one mistake is. And a lot of the time, if you're doing an aesthetic upgrade, one of the biggest material mistakes I can state is picking your paint color and painting before you figured everything else out. <laughs> that's exactly what I do. <laughs> and that's what I did. I just picked my paint color and I love it, by the way. But now I'm like, okay, what color other colors go with this? What am I going to do with this color? <laughs> Exactly. So, okay. So this is, there's two ways of looking at paint. One, there are thousands of paint colors. So it's a whole lot easier to work backwards than to go the other way. So if you find something like an area rug or a piece of art or some throw pillows that like all combine together and you're like, yes, this is the kind of color palette that I'm going off of. It's far easier to find a paint color that will balance and complement those than to go the other way around. Because all of those other little trinket pieces like area rugs and artwork and throw pillows and maybe some accent pieces or flowers or vases, whatever it might be, they come only really in specific colors and it's harder to find them, right? Ooh, that's so you're reducing yeah. your stress at that point. So pick the, the smaller items, I guess. So you're more of your trinkety things, create that aesthetic package first, and then pick a paint color that complements it. And I know that seems odd because you're like, well, the painter's here and he wants paint color, which is normally what happens. Yeah. <laughs> then you go into stress pants and you're like, I need to pick a paint color. And then you're going the other way. Um, but that's where the upfront planning comes from. So any project really that you're looking to take on doesn't mean you need to spend six months figuring it out. But there is a little bit of legwork that has to go into it before we jump and we hit go. That the other sense. way with paint and color is if you have a color, like say you're blue that you love, then 1000% jump in, go all in and pick that color and pick other things that complement it. But it's like, if you ha don't have that one color that you're like, this is what I love. And I know I'm going to be basing my entire aesthetics around it. 
to pick the smaller kind of trinkety pieces first and then work backwards. I love that. So um, <laughs> I will say to my credit, I did have some things uh, that I knew I wanted to keep and, you know, I tested the colors with it. So it did work. So I guess I didn't completely start. <laughs> it wasn't a hundred percent, but that's very close to what I did. Um, and of course we had the dates for when uh, the painter was coming. And so <laughs> it snuck up, you know, it's like, oh my God, I have to like finalize this paint color and do all this yeah. stuff. And so it just kind of like happened because that this is the time that he could do it while we were out of the house. Cause this was like our main living space. So it's going to be a big project. Um, so what are some of the other mistakes to kind of avoid when updating your space? So the, it, again, it depends on project size. So there's a lot of different variables that go into that, but when it really comes down to is the planning thought process. So one is the duality in terms of what needs to be purchased as well as your timeline. So again, if we take your project as an example and you're updating your main living space, what actually needs to go into that space for it to be updated? So if, and that thought process is actually what's called your list of work. So it can be broad, which is what I recommend. And then you kind of whittle down into more specifics, but it's more than just we're updating our living space and giving it a fresh coat of paint and maybe buying some additional items to complement it. So what you really want to look through is what do you, as the person who's going to be living in that space and fixing it up and bringing people in, what needs to happen for that project to occur? Do you need to move furniture out of the space? When are you going to have time to do that? Or do you need people to help you to do that? Are you purging beforehand? What does that look like? Are you going to be selling pieces off in order to be able to help pay for the new renovation upgrades or like aesthetic upgrades? Um, do you need to be out of the space for a period of time? And then what does that look like in terms of your schedule of timeline? Do you have trades like you for a painter that are only available on a specific day. Okay, so then what do we need to do in terms of the moving of the furniture, the packing the things up, the mm -hmm. covering of the items? What timeline does that look like and how does that impact what else we're doing? And then often when you start working through that process, you start realizing that there's other things that when you're looking through it that you're like, oh, you know what? That fan has always wobbled and it's not really going to work with the rest of the new color. Maybe now we look at a new light. Okay, so now you're looking at a new light. Can you replace that fan by yourself or do you need to bring an electrician? So now you're bringing another person into the mix. What does his schedule look like and what does his price look like a lot to install it from a labor perspective as well as the actual cost of the item? So you can see how when we walk through the whole process of what it looks like, we're starting to identify areas that not only we need to figure out from a planning and logistics perspective, but also a budget perspective. So we're never going into a project and going, okay, this is it. And then afterwards you're going, oh crap, actually, I need to replace that light. And I didn't factor in a cost for that light or for an electrician to come in. And then when the electrician's here, actually I need more light, like switches over here and I need more electrical and I'd really want that to be a USB. And your mind starts like, you know, traveling in a gazillion directions because that's what happens. That's the snowball. Yes. <laughs> so yes. if we take a step back, we're able to walk through it more easily. 
Yes. And that happened to me with the painting. So, you know, <laughs> I, he was there to do the walls and it's like, well, while you're here, you might as well do the ceiling. Well, if you're going to do that, then you might as well do the trim. Well, if you're going to do the <laughs> trim, you might as well do the door. So it turned into literally everything, but the kitchen cabinets, which is a whole other project uh, <laughs> that is, that is due as well. Uh, but yeah, it's like, well, while you're here, you might yep. as well. So how do we kind of start to get an idea of what to budget for and what to kind of take into account uh, maybe what we can't afford, what we can't afford when we're looking at the big picture stuff. So it's two parts. So one, that whole like upfront thought process when you're walking through what actually needs to happen, that forms your list of work. And your list of work is actually the first input portion into your budget. So you can literally take an Excel spreadsheet and just start walking through in very like overarching broad terms in terms of like, okay, this is where we're going to start. We're going to do this. We're going to move the furniture. It's going to go over here. This is going to get covered. This is what we're going to do. Some things are just more action items for you. Some things you can look at and go, okay, am I going to do that realistically? Or am I going to be hiring someone to do it? And then what does that cost look like? So that's your first layer of any type of project budget whether it's a large renovation or even just like a repainting job. And that's how you start walking through what really needs to get done. So in your example, if we had done the painting, we can go, okay, yeah, well, the walls need to be painted, but obviously when we do the walls, the baseboards are going to need some retouch up and along with the trim. And then he's gonna have to cut into the ceiling and maybe we wanna change the ceiling, especially for changing the light. So there's gonna be patchwork that's gonna need to happen. So we're factoring that in. So you're layering in all of those different aspects to it. So that's your first pass at your budget in terms of really getting detailed into what needs to happen. And then you can kind of pair them together. So go really, really like crazy on it in terms of all the things that you think you want to get done and all the detail that you possibly can. And then you go through and you prioritize it. And this is the key. Because as you know, any project can snowball, but there are things that you can do now and that should be done now that logistically make sense, like painting your trim and your ceiling, especially if you're like me, I have high ceilings in my living room. So if yeah. he's coming in to paint really tall walls with scaffolding, might as well paint the ceiling, right? Yeah. So there's logistically that makes sense to do. So that would be a priority level one, something that would need to happen. And then I know I have to factor in a cost for that. So you go through and you prioritize them into must happens, like this has to happen in the project. This would be nice to happen if there's money left over. And if I need to cut costs as the third level in order to stay on budget, then these items, they can easily be pulled out and be done on a later date. Ooh, I like so, that grouping of the three. I love yeah. that idea. So it's kind of, if you create the entire budget for everything, and I'm just going to throw out a number because I have no idea. And it comes into like $10,000 and you're going, don't have the money for that. We only have $4,000 saved up. Okay. So you start breaking out, out of those tiers, what you can save up for and do at a later date. So mm -hmm. obviously everything that's like, would be really, really nice to have a new area rug and to have all these aesthetics and everything done for it. But do they need to happen right away? No, you can save up for them. You can find them and piecemeal them together. Those get pulled out. You still keep the costs in there so you know what you're saving up for later, but they get pulled out from this like starting process budget. 
-hmm. And then you look at what you have from the first and the second tier. And if you're still a little bit over budget, then you can start pulling things out of that nice to haves and go, okay, maybe I can do this also at a later date, or can I find a way of doing it in a more cost-effective way? Oh, I love that. Now, when people are in the middle of a project and let's say things are starting to go over budget, just because there's things you didn't even know about that mm-hmm. have come up like that happens, especially if you're doing like a, a major remodel, things are going to come up. Right. So how do we kind of prepare for that? Do you have like a set amount, like 10% just having as a buffer or like, how do you kind of deal with, okay, I got a quote, it's this amount, but then it actually turned into like double that mm-hmm. or, you know, just as an extreme example. <laughs> yes. So In the really important thing to understand in any budget and in any project that you have, the quotes that you get from trades or a contractor, if it's a larger project, say like a large kitchen renovation and he's doing the whole thing for you, that is not your budget. That is a quote that forms part of your budget, but your budget has a whole bunch of other layers added to it because it needs to be more robust than just what has been quoted to you from either a bunch of trades or one contractor that's holding it all. So that's where that list comes in as well as the prioritization. And then the third level to it is really understanding. I mean, these are obviously for more complex projects, but you have soft costs and you have hard costs. So in larger projects, and this would be bigger than if you were just doing like a repainting job in any space, you have hard costs and you have soft costs. Soft costs are costs that you're going to put into the project up front in order to figure out even if it's feasible. So are you hiring a designer and they're picking all these things for you and creating that package? Um, Are you engaging someone to look at feasibility in terms of expanding your house, adding on a deck? What are the logistics of all those? Are those are like the consultants, permit costs, engineering fees, all of those things that would be needed in order for the project to take place and are always going to be responsible to pay regardless of the project moves forward. So those are okay. soft costs. Again, a contractor is not going to absorb those. So you need to have those planned into your budget to begin with. Hard costs are all the costs that the contractor gives you or trades for labor, materials, and supplies, as well as anything that you are purchasing for yourself. Okay. So then we have to add taxes. Number one thing that people always forget is taxes. The quotes that anybody ever gives you, myself included, do not include taxes in them. It's just like this assumed like, hey, it's 5% GST applicable to everything that's from a service-based fee that's being provided. So if it's just service charges, like from someone providing a service to you, it's GST. If you're purchasing items like lighting, area rugs, paint, there's PST and GST. So you have to go through and you have to account for those taxes or else you could end up like $6,000 over budget, not accounting for taxes. So explain what PST and GST are. So again, it it depends where you're located. Um, So I'm in British Columbia in Canada. Our taxes are split. So rather than being um, joint, it's like 5% for GST and then 7% for PST. And a lot of other provinces, it's a harmonized tax, so it's all one, and everything gets the same, and it's at a higher rate. Um, in some provinces and in areas and states, they don't even have PST. It's just 
GST is one chart. So you have to know where you are in terms of what your taxes are gotcha. yeah. and how it works. But always remember that taxes are applicable. Yes, sales tax. <laughs> and um, here, at least in my state, you don't have a tax on like services, but you do have mm-hmm. like sales tax when you're yes. buying goods. Goods. So, okay. So that makes sense. Cause I was like, I'm not sure what that is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I don't think I have that tax. No, yeah. so you wouldn't, but um, anything that you would be purchasing from products or that the contractors or trades are purchasing for you will have that like, um, product sales cost or sales tax supplied to gotcha gotcha so okay um in terms of really being able to plan accordingly and not end up in those moments where you're like I've run out of money the biggest tips that I can give you is to plan accordingly from a contingency fund and also create a reserve fund and they're separate so a, a contingency fund is basically everyone, they're used and they're thrown around in different variables, but a contingency is like your known unknowns. So you've gone through and you're like, okay, I am doing this living room. I'm upgrading this space. I know that there's probably going to be some additional things I'm going to want done. Maybe we'll find that the electrical panel needs to be upgraded with all of the new lighting that I'm putting in or something like that. That's something that you've walked through as a probability of happening. So you're accounting for that in terms of your thought process. If your budget is very loose in terms of everything that you've plugged into it are guesses or estimates on your behalf where you've done a little bit of research or you're going and you're like, well, I assume it would be around $3,000 for a painter to do my house, then your contingency fund is higher. It sits at 20 to 25%. Okay. If your budget is more streamlined and it's filled with actual numbers, so quotes you've got as well as you've gone and you've looked online and in stores and you found everything that you're wanting and it's hard numbers, your contingency can be reduced to 10 to 15. Okay. So that way, when you're at the beginning planning process, you're like, okay, I've covered my butt basically. You've covered your baseline. So that's where your contingency kind of falls. And then the more streamlined you come, you can reduce that amount. Some people recommend 5%. I don't recommend ever going down below 10. Okay, got it. If you think about it, if you're doing a $60,000 kitchen reno, 5% is less than $6,000. It's $3,000. Three, yeah, that's not much. That's not going to cover a whole lot of oopsies. Exactly. Right. So sometimes it helps to look at it that way when you're like, oh, actually 5% on this huge thing is really not that large amount of money. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. (laughs) Exactly. So I don't recommend going below 10 and that contingency fund is money that, you know, it's there, it's accounted for, it forms part of your overall budget. And you're like, I have this amount of money to spend on the project. You're obviously only wanting to spend what your actual costs are, but you've got that blanket buffer in there. Gotcha. Your reserve fund is separate. And this is where it gets fancy. And most people don't do this, but on large projects, I highly recommend it. <laughs> is It is your like, oh crap fund. It is there for things that you never could have ever thought would happen. Yes. So say you are doing your living room 
And when the painter starts painting, he realizes that there's a whole bunch of water damage and the paint isn't sticking. And when it's uncovered, there was a leak in the ceiling, it trickled down all the walls and all of your drywall and everything needs to be replaced along with some of your studs. Would you have ever thought that could happen? No. Well, I mean, I've seen it on, you know, the, the shows, but in my house, no. <laughs> exactly. So you're like, I, did, I didn't factor that in, right? That's where your reserve fund comes in. And it is like this giant blanket that covers over your project of extra money that you have saved up for or have available either the a line of credit or additional financing that you've secured, but it exists in, in a completely separate bank account. And it's only touched when those things happen that you're like, I never could have planned for this. And it's used instead of your contingency fund. So your contingency is still there for things like your project accounted for. And your reserve fund should sit at around, I don't recommend lower than 10, but 15 to 20. Okay. Yeah. That's what and I was going like to ask you next buffer. is how much. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so you've got a little bit of a, a nice buffer in there for the oh man, never saw this coming and oops, I overspent or something was more expensive. So you kind of have the both funds. And I love that you mentioned putting it in a separate bank account because that's what I tell <laughs> people all the time. Because if you don't, you will accidentally spend it on something stupid, something that you didn't even <laughs> mean to spend it on or want to spend it on. And it's just gone. So I love exactly. that you brought that up. Um, so are there any other... Um, budgeting tips for, you know, redoing a space or things that we should avoid that you want to uh, throw in here with all this other great tips that you've shared already today? Oh, um, <laughs> I think the biggest one that I would go as kind of an overall mistake or like, hey, pay attention to is understand what your lead times are and your timeline for your project. And that kind of, that's kind of split into two. So lead times for items are like, if you are purchasing appliances or tile or uh, paint, well, no, paint wouldn't have a lead time. Um, anything that you're ordering online, for instance, is going to give you kind of a timeline of build and then delivery to your house. Appliances now are getting a little bit better, but during COVID, you could be waiting for a fridge for like a year and a half. Oh yes, I heard I heard stories about that. Like tile, tubs, like doors, windows, like everything was way, way back ordered. Yeah. So it's like there's again, this is where that kind of planning takes place is knowing what you're doing in your house, actually finding the specifications. Um, and this is a little bit of a side tangent. The more accurate you can be when you're talking to suppliers or contractors in terms of specifically what you are putting into your space. I want these tiles, I want these faucets, I want these lights, I want all of these components, the more accurate your pricing will be. Rather than sitting there and giving them an image that says, this is the bathroom inspo I'm going for, and then they give you a rough budget, but they're pricing it based on mean value of product materials. So they're saying, we assume this is what you're gonna be doing in the bathroom based upon the photo, we're going to price this based on like $1.15 a square foot tile because you haven't provided us specifications. Mm, when then you go okay. find the tile later on, once you're in the project and you actually fall in love with something that's $4 a square foot, that's going to completely shift what the contractor has quoted you. 
as he quoted you incorrectly? No, he quoted you based on what information you gave him. Uh, so now he's going to charge you more. Gotcha. <laughs> yes. So one is like, do with your due diligence, actually find the items as much as you possibly can before you go into the whole pricing portion with contractors. And then through that, you'll know what your lead times are going to be. And you can start to look at that from a scheduling perspective. So say you're doing a bathroom and you want it done before school starts. Okay, now we need to backtrack. You want it done before school starts in September. What does that look like in terms of construction duration? Probably three to four weeks, maybe, depending upon when you can line people up. So it means that you have to start construction in August. So when you need to order product and what is your longest lead time from all of the products that you need to order? Is your bathtub going to take six weeks? Are your tiles going to be here in time? What does that look like? And if it can't happen in your timeline because you've left it for too long before you start purchasing things or figuring it out, then it's not going to happen. And it's better to either adjust your expectation of completion date or push out your whole project entirely to happen when it aligns better in your schedule. Mm, that makes sense. Now, what, does it make more sense or do you save any money by ordering like, you know what you want and just ordering mm -hmm. stuff or is it better to like let the contractor do that? So anytime a trade or a contractor is purchasing any type of materials on your behalf, they are typically charging a 10 to 15% upcharge to it, oh, which isn't okay. negative. Um, again, they are taking their expertise. They're taking their contacts. They are people that they have in their world that are giving them really good pricing. So their price that they're getting is typically less than what's the ticketed amount, but it's also how they make profit, right? So, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's business is business. Um, if you're looking at your budget and you're going, I need to shave some dollars a bit here, you can, and in some contractors will allow you to purchase items yourself, and then they will just quote for install and labor. But products I do not recommend doing that for are tile and flooring. That makes sense. Because you don't know how to calculate the amount required properly. And you'll end up in situations where you either purchase too much or you purchase too little. And then you go to go buy more product and it's either back ordered or the dye lot has changed. And then the color is not the same. So those ones I do recommend sticking with the person who's going to be installing it, especially based upon your pattern, because they can calculate the square footage or linear foot better. Mm, that makes sense. That makes sense. Because if you're not sure or you don't know what you're doing and calculating that, you can be way off. <laughs> yeah. Like in paint, paint, for instance, you can typically purchase yourself. If you go into a paint store and you say, I've got my room is 14 by 10 and 10 foot ceilings, they'll help you calculate the uh, the general square footage and they'll that like a gallon covers this amount and this is how many gallons you're going to need. So you could save money that way. Again, sometimes though, the contractors get better pricing than you do. Mm -hmm. So you can get it priced and then see how much they are going to charge you for paint versus if you purchase the paint yourself and then see if they'd be willing to just paint with whatever it is that you provide them. But again, sometimes it's just asking those questions. Yeah, exactly. And with my painter, he got a discount on the paint. So it made sense. And, you know, then he'd be able to get what he needed because there, there was a time I had him paint my office here 
and it needed three coats. So then I had to go buy more paint instead of just letting him, like if I would have just let him handle it, he could have just done all of that. But then it was like, then I had to, he had to do another coat because, uh, cause I did a flat finish for the lighting, which, you know, it's not great finish and it's hard to clean, but, um, it works good for lighting uh, and videos. So then it like, it was, and it's a dark color. So it was a lot more work. <laughs> it yeah, needed a lot more colors paint. typically take for paint. <laughs> you also do a color primer. I used to work in a paint store. So yeah. <laughs> a tinted primer as a base coat that will help as well. Yeah. Cost less than a gallon of paint, but yeah. Yes. Oh, I, yeah. I didn't think about a tinted primer, but, um, but yeah, so it took an extra, an extra coat and stuff. So that added to the cost as well, because mm-hmm. we didn't plan on that. Didn't plan on three coats instead of just two. So, um, just something else to throw out there from my own experience. Um, <laughs> now you help people, uh, well, I assume like, I'll just say like me that <laughs> maybe don't know what they're doing with design and all of like project planning. Cause that's like a whole other thing too, is just kind of planning everything. Uh, like we've talked about a lot today. So what resources do you have that somebody can, um, get to just kind of help them with this whole process? Yeah. So, uh, first I'll say that I'm a little different than most interior designers you'll find out there in the fact that half my career has been in project management and half my career has been in interior design, which is the reason why I know so much about budgets because I literally used to live in budgets yeah. for Excel spreadsheets for probably about six years and managing large construction sites. So I've learned all of the ins and outs in terms of how to plan appropriately for projects. And I've taken all that and I've put it into some free challenges and some programs that I'm offering. And the one that's coming up is called House to Home. And it is a three-week free challenge and it's with me, it's live training, and it really goes through how to take that idea in your head that you're feeling overwhelmed with, a living room, for example, or a bathroom in terms of where to start, what does that process actually look like, how do you create that entire vision board, and how do you walk away with something that you can be confident that it's all going to work together and within the right kind of budget and thought process. That's awesome. So where can people sign up for that? So that would be under gabriellamilgram.co, house to home. And that will take you directly to the sign up page. It's currently being waitlisted. Awesome. Yes. Well, I yeah. will be joining because I need all the help <laughs> because I just freeze and like then my house is just empty. So like as an <laughs> example, you know, we've been working on the living space and I just added curtains and we've lived in this house uh, gosh, how long now? 11 years. And I never had curtains <laughs> and then I didn't like them. I took them back down. So now <laughs> I have to start over because I got the rug, you know, cause I'm doing this backwards. Like you said, not to do. So then I got the rug and the rug and the curtains didn't look good to, that good together, but I love the rug. So now I have to take, send the curtains back to Amazon and try different curtains. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a oh, process for me for sure. <laughs> Drapery for whatever reason, I can pick anything else. And most of the time online, I'm really good at being like, yeah, that'll work. Drapery for whatever reason for me, I pick it online and I get it. And I'm like, no, that's, that's actually not going to work. And it's a constant, like five times before I nail it. Anything else I'm good. Drapery is just that whole. Okay. I don't feel so bad because the colors weren't (laughs) as vibrant and you know, it's hard to tell on computer screens, like what the true color will be. And then everything has the grommets and I didn't want the grommets. I wanted just like a regular, um, whatever you call it. Um, but I didn't want the, the metal grommets. 
everything has those, especially like in the yellows that I want. So it's like, oh, this is, and you can't like go to a store anymore and look at curtains. Like nobody, or there's not that much of a selection anymore. Like everything's online. (laughs) Yes. Um, some places that do carry them in stock, they're a little bit more expensive, but sometimes worth it and do really good sales. Um, Crate and Barrel does have them in their store as well as, uh, Beauclair Home has them as well. And I don't think you have struck tube in the US, but there's a couple of other stores that do have curtains and drapery in stock. So you can like pick them, you can feel them, you can check how yeah. they hang. And then, but sometimes often they're more expensive than online, which is annoying. But yeah. It's that like hand feel. That's the other thing with drapery yes. is the hand feel and you can't tell from a computer what that yes. is. <laughs> that's true. That's a good point. Like the texture of it and everything. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's a good point. I don't think I have, well, I don't have any of those stores close to me, but maybe I'll, um, we had Bed Bath & Beyond, but I thought it was closing, but it might not actually be closed, my mom said. So I might just check there because they had some, um, you know, Walmart has a few, Target didn't really have anything. Like, it's like, I just want to look at some curtains. It's like the one thing I didn't want to order online. Cause like you said, I wanted to like, see it and feel it and like get the right color. It's just not working for me right now. So anyway, that's a whole other side tangent, but you get where I'm coming from. <laughs> I do. I feel your pain. I and feel your not cheap. Pain. They are not cheap. No. It was like 70 bucks for just enough for like one one window because I actually, when I measured it, it's like, okay, it'll cover it. But then when I put them up, it wasn't like ruffled enough, you know? So then I put all of them on one. Uh, so I had four panels where it was supposed to be like two sets of windows uh, covered, but I didn't, it needed all four. So then it, that was double the price. And that was like $70 just for the four. So it's like, that's also ooh. actually something that's covered in the house to home is how to measure drapery properly. Oh, so there we go. Yes. Cause the, everyone assumes that it's your window, but again, yeah. if you have a 60 inch window, and you just put the width there, you're going to end up with gaps. There's not enough overlay. Mm-hmm. You're going to have light coming through. So there's actually like measurements to it. So yes, that's in there. Well, so good. if you're looking, if you're like <laughs> Ashley and I, and you struggle with window coverings, it's in there. <laughs> yeah. See why my windows had no good. Oh my gosh. What was it? The, uh, the movie Heat with Sandra Bullock. And it's like the, the uh, <laughs> window blankets, the window blankets. I've had window blankets. Yeah. Uh, it can cut your heat, but yes, yeah. not, not very aesthetically pleasing, but yeah, that's in there too, along with a whole bunch of other things. We walk through, um, just accessorizing in general and proper proportions and like height variables and relationships, all those things. Oh, are yeah. See, I struggle so with that. all of that. And so then it just, I end up not doing anything because I'm well, yeah, just like, you're like is this vase the right one? Is it too small? Yes. Yeah. All of that is covered in it. Oh, yay. With, I'm like, so excited. How to figure out your space, how to pair it together, how to make sure the colors work plan it out, figure it all out before you start. All of that is in there. Well, yay. All right. Well, those of you listening, come join me because I definitely need this. <laughs> I'm going to join. Um, I wish it was sooner because we're recording this in July, but uh, the link will be in the bio, in the uh, show notes so you can go join her. Make sure you follow her on Instagram because I'm sure she will be talking about it on there as well so you don't miss it because I'm excited for this. This is what I need. <laughs> so yes. thank you so much for doing this free challenge and for coming on and sharing your tips with us today because it could be a big budget buster to, you know, just make over, even if it's just the aesthetic stuff, but definitely when Mm -hmm. you get into like the major remodel stuff, it adds up quick. 
<laughs> it does. And I'm so happy I was able to chat with you about it. And hopefully it takes a little bit of stress and overwhelm over it and gives people a little bit more confidence. Cause I think that's the big, the big issue is we don't leap forward because we're afraid of spending too much or, or failing. Yes. Getting the wrong things. Like I do, like I, I love this one piece, but then I don't know what to do with it. I don't know how to put it all together is like my problem. I don't mm -hmm. know what to do with it. Um, so where can people, uh, follow you? on Instagram yeah. or Facebook or wherever you're at. Yeah. So on Instagram is Gabriella Milgram.co and on YouTube, if you want to check out the bunch of the videos that actually walk through design trends, as well as that renovation budget breakdown, it's at, it is the handle. I'm Gabriella Milgram home design and building expert, which if you just search the at is Gabriella Milgram co. And my website is also Gabriella Milgram.co. So all the information is on there. The free challenge is on there. You can sign up. Come join me. I'll teach you all of my tips and tricks, give you my brain dump. <laughs> it's like a whole lot of fun so you can move forward with your projects with confidence. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast. Thank you to Gabriella for coming and sharing these awesome tips. I know I am taking notes and signing up for the free challenge as well because I need all the help I can get. Uh, don't forget to sign up, follow her on Instagram. And while you're there, don't forget to follow Budgets Made Easy as well. Until next time, I'll talk to you soon.